Welcome back. We are now doing the half season awards. If you have skipped episodes from our quarter season awards, it's been two weeks. And so we're going to now talk about how everything is going at the halfway mile marker of the season. So I'm going to ask everybody, what's the best story, Jeff, from this half? It's the Pac-12 going out with a bang after all of the discourse of the past couple of years regarding them. It's it's absolutely just living it up in the last year after falling apart um, in terms of media stuff and people dragging him through the past couple of years of quality of football. It's it's certainly something that's happening. <laughs> I would like to point out, and we talked about this in the Moon Crew Discord, that there's discourse around a $50 million counteroffer that ESPN was so disgusted by they walked away and that's the Pac-12's fault and it's like I don't know man they looked around and said well they're getting 80 million a year over in the Big Ten we'll take 30 million dollars less than that and now everybody's mad at the Pac-12 and I find that particular discord and the 80 million was not an accurate number nope it was more than that so Whatever, folks. I guess we'll all say it was the Pac-12's fault that other forces conspired against them to tear their part conference apart. Whatever. Josiah, what do you think is the best story? It's a little bit more under the radar. But First half of the season. For me, it's Texas State. They were so, so bad for so long and had a bad situation with coaching. And, you know, a coach that... They still do a lot of transfers, but the coach didn't want to recruit high school players. <laughs> for some reason like and and they get one of their you know they get a p5 win which you know baylor's not good but it's still hard to do that when you're this team and you know they've won most of their games and i'm just yeah i'm just happy for them it's it's a it's a smaller it's not a big picture story but it's fun to see these like smaller programs that do have a longer proud tradition before they moved up to fbs um and you know see the see see them having a much better year it was very cool Yeah, I, first off, I Texas State Bobcats have looked phenomenal this season. I know they I think they lost this past weekend. Um and mm-hmm. even so, I'm still just really impressed by them thus far. Their head coach Gary Joe GJ Kine or Kenny the 3rd, uh you know, he's just out here putting it together all around. And one of the things I want to point out is one hell of a resume. So, offensive analyst at Arkansas Worked for the Philadelphia Eagles, offensive coordinator at Hawaii, offensive coordinator at Central Florida, head coach at Incarnate Word, head coach at Texas State. All of those in back-to-back-to-back-to-back years. So he went one year at all those stops and is now a head coach at the FBS level. Really excited to see what he's going to cook up next. I just, Mm -hmm. I love seeing it. It's great. It's great. It's good to see. Um, for me, uh, the best story of the first half is Coach Jeff Brom at Louisville, uh, a person that uh, is my contemporary. I watched him play at Louisville when I was an undergrad at Norfolk State. Phenomenal player. Uh, led, Broke every record they had at Louisville, rewrote their record books, and they said, you know what? It was so much fun. I'm back, and I'm doing it again, this time without a megalomaniac <laughs> running our program and having the stadium named after him. Um 
And, and again, sorry, Jeff, that they stole your coach, but it is so nice to see somebody come home. Uh, best team thus far, first half of the season, Jeff, who you got? Michigan, I know that they haven't really been tested that much, but they're top 10 in both S&P Plus for offense and defense, which not a lot of the other big contenders are. Um, Washington and Oregon are not far behind them. Um, that that Pac-12 race is going to be uh, really great to watch. And Georgia has generally played with its food uh, as long as that food wasn't bourbon. So how well, whether whether they're going to you know repeat what that Kentucky game was down the stretch or if it's going to be a lot more close games where they may slip up, we'll see. We got another six games. I think it's great. I've watched one game of Michigan thus far, aside from, you know, when Coach Harbaugh was out, but uh, that what they did in Nebraska is probably illegal in most states. And then what they did to Minnesota, man, it's it's a great team out there. Josiah, who is, if not your best, yeah, your favorite? I, they're not going to be better than Georgia and Michigan, but James Madison is, is it for me. Um, because for, this is their second year transitioning up, and... You know, you can see by watching Sam Houston do this and then Jacksonville State, we got a little bit, um, and, you know, even Georgia Southern years ago, you know, some of these teams, they come up and it's not as easy as App State made it look at least the first few years. And they've come up and James Madison, you know, they were a dominant program, but that doesn't always translate. Sam Houston won a national championship in FCS and they are really bad. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I just love seeing, despite the dumb NCAA rules, what JMU has been able to do this year. It's, 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 it, it, last year was not a fluke. They were a good team. What's wild about James Madison, and I can say this as they have routinely scheduled Norfolk State in both football and basketball, is that they play a brand of football that translates well no matter what level they're at. Um, they were really good at the FCS level because they paid tough ball, and they stepped up into the Sun Belt, which, and I won't speak for the, everyone on the podcast, but what we can say is a solid mm -hmm. G5 conference and have said, we're the bullies now even though they're not eligible to win it, they were the conference champs last year and they may be conference champs this year too. Next year, who knows? Because they got a lot of guys leaving. But I'll say, and, and in terms um, of, as you are changing conferences, you're not playing a lot of the same opponents that you were before. Having that good start definitely keeps people more invested than they might have been otherwise. Um, so I think that's been very important for them, even though they don't have bowl eligibility, they can't technically win the conference. They are doing something to keep those games entertaining for a home crowd and keeping people coming through the gates, which you can worry about when you go through a conference change or when you move up and you're losing some of that connectivity. Maybe you're struggling a bit on the field. They may repeat as Virginia State champs. It's going to be great. Um, for me, it's uh, it's the Washington Huskies. I'm every time they're must watch TV for me. I, I love watching Michael Penix. He's basically Warren Moon 2.0, lefty at Washington, throwing the ball all over the place. Throws a beautiful pass. I just I I want this to be the year for the Huskies. I want them to win the 12 again, and then I want them to I want them to take it to somebody in the first round of the playoff. Um, I'm going to move on. Best player. Jeff, who's your best player thus far? 
Penix. <laughs> yeah, same for me. <laughs> there it is. Same, Josiah, yeah, best player thus far. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going with the entire QB class of the Pac-12. I just... QB play is at a premium, even Arizona last night, but their guy, they look great. Or he looked good. I all QB play has just been phenomenal. Um, best conference, Jeff. It's the Pac 12. They have some really great top end teams with Oregon and Washington. And Washington State and Oregon State are not that far behind them. And we will see um for the rivalry games at the end of the yeah, at the end of the year, what that looks like. And those, that's going to be a salty set of games. And, and I think generally with how the conference fell apart and where people ended up, you have a lot of hard feelings, saltiness that I think breeds some great football um, with those interactions. You've got um, a decent mid-range of the conference as well. Um, and I think that that creates some really compelling matchups. Um, even when you're not necessarily getting your top couple or, or top three or four teams against each other. I didn't even mention Utah in, in this discussion. Like you sure did. Utah also is an except sure like there are just so many great teams and so many teams that can scare the top end of the, the league as well in this conference. And it's going to be a fun set of games down the stretch. And, and the games we've already have have been incredible, even when it's, you know, USC facing Arizona and Arizona's not what you'd expect to be to face USC. And yet they, they took them to three overtimes. The fact that you just gave Colorado bulletin board material is awful. Um, Josiah, who, who, who are you going with best conference? I mean, I, I kind of got to agree. It's the packed, it's the pack, whatever they are. It's just, there's just so much depth there. It's, it's, I mean, you know, any team with one loss in that conference, if they win out, you could see making a bid for the playoff because of who they'd have to beat. And so, yeah, like it's, you know, there, there are multiple teams that look good enough to go to even a four team playoff. And that's not the only thing that matters, but it's fun to see them after getting excluded from playoffs and having a hard run of things and then falling apart now at the end here. It's fun to see, like, you know, you've got the Huskies and the Ducks who have gotten so close and just not been able to finish it out. Um, and, you know, I guess USC's up there, too. <laughs> More on them later. <laughs> I More on them later. Yes, uh, I I'm going to zig where everybody zags. I, I'm going with the Big 12. Um for a variety of reasons, but their top end teams just played a game, and it, boy, was it a game to behold! Uh, I just watched uh, a couple of other agricultural schools, particularly one that wears orange and one that wear purple, that just continue to play wonderful football. Like just like I, Oklahoma State pulled it out, mm-hmm. great job, Cowboys! Um, and then of course they they've got my favorite my favorite team this year, my favorite offense this year. It's Kansas, like. I am in love with Kansas and what they're doing. I talk about it all the time. I'm like waxing poetic while the games are on, but like the best way to just, and I I thought about this quite a bit. The best way to describe their offense is they are diabolical. And like, that is just, they're so good. And I, it's something, it's the one thing I enjoy this year. I'm a Jayhawk fan for life. Um, Second half monitoring. What are we keeping an eye on? 
Jeff, what are you watching? So the Mountain West race and how that impacts the G5 New York Six um, is going to be really, okay. really interesting because you had Fresno fall um, to Wyoming this week. They're now both one-loss teams. They're both very good teams. Um, and Fresno, you would have thought, had the inside track with two P5 wins, um, but they now have a loss, and that's a loss to a team that is also very good and could win out. You also have an undefeated Air Force that's going to play Wyoming next week, and that's going to be a great game. Um, so how how those three teams navigate the rest of the Mountain West schedule is going to mean a lot for, um, obviously, them winning the conference, and those are among the stronger of the G5s this year and the ones with, with the best resumes. So we'll see how that uh, shakes out. Josiah, what are you monitoring? In a similar vein, just generally the G5 teams and who's going to get that nod because there are, you know, you've got the Mountain West side of things, but there are other teams even beyond that are having good years. And it's, you know, I'm in, I, I, I want it to be someone other than Liberty that makes it into that spot. But... Um, you know, the top G5 team, whoever that is, um, it's there's a lot of cool potential for things there, like like a, like a team like Wyoming making it um, or, you know, UNLV still has one loss, I think, or maybe maybe I missed that. But regardless, like, you know, you've got, yeah, Fresno State, you've got Air Force. There's a lot of cool things that could happen with that. Um, and yeah, I, I, it, it's in a similar vein, just want to see how that race is going to shake out. Cause I mean, the P five, you know, it's interesting, but G five is where I think I see the most potential for something new. I think you're right. Jacksonville state also has one loss and they are ineligible because they are also moving up. Um, for me, second half, it's uh, it's a bit biased, and I do apologize for this much, but it's I'm watching me at conference play, which starts up in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, that's really everyone is chasing North Carolina Central, who has shown that they are the team to beat. They are the pinnacle of HBCU ball. That being said, Norfolk State has looked great. They were on Jay, Jay Harris's top five. He had them at number four. And then he was a homer. He had Howard at number five, and those two teams are going to play each other. So I'm excited about it. Uh, Norfolk State, they beat the Institute in football, and then they went and beat Townsend. So they're two and one in the CAA because uh, they lost to North Carolina A&T. But Howard went, and they're looking good. And I'm really excited about MEAC football this year in a, in a, in a way I haven't been in a long time. So I'm going to be following MEAC ball and uh, keeping up with the Joneses there. Uh, Jeff... You put a note here, and I really thought this is very high-class stuff you got. Walk me through what this question is and why we should. So, uh, did any of the Miami teams win this week? Because on Wednesday, I witnessed uh, Inter-Miami get destroyed by Chicago in Chicago in front of a record crowd at Soldier Field for the Chicago Fire. Um, this podcast's favorite uh, fail in search engine optimization um, and also an MLS team, um, they quite missed this one guy named Leo. Uh, great anniversary night for my wife and I, but uh, yeah, not great for Inter Miami. And they also lost again to Cincinnati, who's supporter shield holders uh, now in MLS. Uh, 
And the, the baseball team in Miami also uh, was not successful. And I want to be clear, this is the Miami Marlins, is that correct? Or the Florida Marlins, I guess is what they go by? I don't even Jeff, know is anymore. That right? Is that the right team? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> no. they go. Josiah, you... Ha- the oh, okay. the okay. dozen okay. people that show up uh, to the games might know, but I am uncertain. God, stop it. Stop it. That, stop it. Um, Josiah, you had a couple of teams here. Uh, this is Florida International and Florida Atlantic. What, yeah. what do you have here? FIU Did they win? also lost. I don't know that FAU counts as a Miami team. I don't think anyone would count them in that bubble, even though they're 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 kind of closer to it than some... I mean, is Miami in Miami? That's the other question. Is Coral Gables really Miami, uh, even if they've got the name? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but FAU did win, I guess. Um, and then you get down lower levels. You get uh, Kaiser U beat St. Thomas, Florida. Uh, you know, that's a Miami on Miami violence there. Um, but yeah, you know, like even if you if you don't count FAU, which we probably shouldn't, uh, it's pretty slim pickings. Um, and <laughs> Kaiser U. Only one, you know, we only have a guaranteed Miami win there because it's two Miami teams playing each other. So, you know, it's still it's still pretty uh, still pretty bleak out there. Florida Atlantic is in Boca Raton, and you'll forgive me, my Florida geography isn't that great. So, uh, I don't know how far that is from Miami, <laughs> but I'm sure I can look it up. Uh, you did have a note here in all caps. Uh, go B E E E E E E E E E E E E E E S. Mario made some choices. What are you talking about? For the folks that watched last night's uh Georgia Tech Miami game, uh, there was a late game choice uh to run the ball versus taking a knee, which uh allowed Georgia Tech to recover a fumble and then score and win that game. Um, all, it was a close game throughout, which uh, you also don't exactly want if you were the University of Miami, uh, one playing Georgia Tech, but got to hand it to uh, the Yellow Jackets. Great game for them. Great win for them. Um, and a hard week in Miami sports. Um, they got to deal with all that humidity in this, so. I, I watched this game and Mario Cristobal for jail. Um, Josiah, you put a note here. Why? Oh yeah, he, <laughs> please I mean, please elaborate. <laughs> Mar- Mario did the thing that I do when I play NCAA games or football games, where it's like, oh yeah, we're we're winning by three. I could just do the kneel play, or I could throw a hail mary or run the ball and try to get some more yards for my player's Heisman campaign. I was like, but I mean, you know, like. Like, that's not how I would do it if I was actually coaching a football game with real consequences and real people. <laughs> like, you don't... <laughs> you literally throw away a win, like, or or drop a win, I guess, would be the better metaphor there. But, yeah, it's just... It was like he was playing a video game. I... I... I there was... <laughs> I couldn't understand... There's some decisions I disagree with there. I'm like, okay, I understand it. This one, I was like, I don't agree or understand this. So, I don't know. Yeah, I the game would have forced him to because if you ever pick the coach recommended play, it would say something like Coach Corso says, take a knee here. And that would be in the voice of Coach Lee Corso. Um, I, I appreciate all of this. And for the sake of argument, we'll say that my, the University of Miami is in Miami just for the sake of argument. because That's where they play their football games. But um, 
You both are ignoring the University of Miami, Ohio, the Red Hawks, who not only won the football game, they shut out Bowling Green, who beat Georgia Tech senseless, who just beat Miami, who beat the, the Hurricanes, who beat the Red Hawks earlier in the first game of the season. So now they have a transitive win over the Hurricanes. And the fact that you asked, did anybody, did any Miami teams win, is yes, it is the Miami Red Hawks who won twice because they have a transitive victory over the Hurricanes. So I just want to point out that the Max got good football teams, you guys, and I'm sad that nobody. That's right, the real Miami's in Ohio. Whoever has the better record at the end of the season goes by Miami. Right now, the Red Hawks are in the lead. Agreed. I agree completely, even if they lost to them on the field. And that will be our cold open. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the week six recap of Feed Your Mascot. My name is Blue, and I'm joined this week by Jeff, who's got a Run 317 shirt on. Jeff, how I, are you? What's going I am on with you this enjoying weekend? it finally feeling like fall. Congratulations. I'm sure that cold front that came by and dropped the temperature 20 degrees was great for mm-hmm. all of your running. And biking, but probably not. So as long as it's an indoor pool, so. Oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Very good. And Josiah, a couple things. Lawn update number one. And what are we I've wearing? Got, I'm representing the Packers. They don't play till tomorrow, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta pull for your team. And I feel less ethically weird about supporting my longtime team now that a certain quarterback isn't there anymore. Um, he, he got us a lot of. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> that is a very good point. Unfortunately, um, the uh, the lawn is. It's it's done growing, man, and the leaves are there. The squirrels are having a great time. They're just loving it. But we've got a bird bath that has dried out. They just chill in that thing a lot. They lay down, kind of stare at me through the window. I stare back at them. I don't really know what's happening in those moments. I'm just. I, it feels like they're kind of trying to intimidate me, but I won't be. Uh, I won't back down from the squirrels. So. The Dale Earnhardt of squirrels is out in Stillwater, folks. So we have a couple games that we watched this weekend. I'd say they're all really good bangers. We got FAMU, Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, went out to Baton Rouge and played Southern Agricultural and Industrial University. Banger of a game. We had Wyoming at Fresno State. Big time upset out there in the whack. We had a D2 game. William Jewell College at the University of Indianapolis. We were there in person as a media outlet. And we're going to have Jeff break that down for us. And then finally, we're going to talk about Howard at Northwestern, a game where 
one of these schools, the hometown team, was able to get a win by having lax admission standards, a thing that our college professor mm-hmm. just keeps pointing out because mm-hmm. it must be true. We're going to then talk about a dessert, and it's a collection of things because I got some things I want to talk about, and so does everybody else. But we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to kick us off here. I watched FAMU, the Rattlers, at the Southern Jaguars, and man, what a great game. It came down to a one-possession game uh, that FAMU pulled out in the end. Complete banger from start to finish. But one of the things that I noticed is that FAMU had so many drops. They dropped a dozen passes in that game. Did not help their quarterback at all. Did not put him in a position to succeed. And these are drops where it hit him in the hands. Not ones where they're diving, not ones where they're falling, not ones where he's throwing it everywhere. No, he was hitting them square, and they just put it on the ground, and uh, you can't win that way. Southern looked fine for most of the game, but they could not capitalize on the Rattlers' errors, and then had several errors of their own, including a muffed punt and multiple turnovers that just, when they were going in to score, all their momentum got stopped, so... FAMU does what good teams do. They they get out with a W. They are in the driver's seat in the SWAC East. Um, they don't have a real challenge. And I, I say that as all the SWAC teams are going to be furious with me on that. But the rest of the teams on their schedule, uh, they're going to have to really, really bring it if they want to win against this FAMU team. And they're going to be the ones playing in the championship game. Come, mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to win the East, and I think they're mm-hmm. going to do it going away. Sorry, Josiah. They beat, oh, no, they, I know. They already beat I, 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 That was their hardest challenge. We, we handled our business <laughs> against Alabama A&M, but yeah, I, I don't have any... Uh, I have no illusions for what we're able to accomplish <laughs> based on that loss to to, to FAMU. Yeah, they beat the... Uh, FAMU uh, uh, beat mm. Jackson State pretty handedly, and then Jackson State this weekend, they beat the life out of Alabama A&M. Uh, uh, I was impressed by what I saw from Jackson State. They, they played great. Um... We're going to move on. Let's talk about some whack football. The Western <laughs> Athletic Conference had a game of two of their heavyweights. Josiah, you you were all over it, and it was uh, it was in the yeah, Valley. Tell yeah. me about so, it. So Wyoming at Fresno State, you know, Fresno State with some really good resume wins so far this season, like Jeff mentioned earlier. Uh, and Wyoming, it's interesting, though. They don't have that packed P5 win, but the P5 team that they lost to, their only loss is one of the best teams in the country, Texas. So, you know, on the one hand, I don't like the whole quality loss concept a whole lot, but if you're going to lose to one team, that's not a bad one to lose to, If you're, especially if you're a Wyoming squad that's, you know, not built to try and win in a shootout against a team like Texas or whatever. But yeah, Wyoming was big. They were mean, um, you know, pretty decently balanced. They run the ball well, but they they passed it okay. I mean, you know. Okay, relatively speaking. They had 27 first downs, which, you know, is not is not the highest number of the weekend. There were some teams that had, had more than that, but it's still quite a few when you, like, look at it. And, and again, tells the story of, you know, moving the ball steadily down the field. It's just this inevitability. But one of the things that the Popes did really well, uh, you know, it, they just minimized mistakes Two penalties for, for Wyoming, or a total of 15 yards, no turnovers. Fresno didn't do badly on the turnovers. They only had one with an interception, but they had eight penalties for 93 yards. Again, nothing that could necessarily sink a team's chances, but when you're uh, when, when Wyoming is just that methodical, that 
focused, that consistent. It's just hard to hard to beat. And yeah, Wyoming, we get we get to see who they really are in these last two weeks. They take on Fresno State last week, and now they're going to do Air Force next week. If they win against Air Force, man, I don't know who left on their schedule they can't beat. Um, and you know, if they if they win, I mean that's a big if, but. You know, uh, and, and I see you blew real quick, but like this would be a historic year for Wyoming if they can do that and win most of the rest of their games. They haven't won double digit, uh, double digit since '88 when they lost in a bowl game to Barry Sanders. Um, so it's been a while since these guys have had a a really they've had good years, but a stellar like a year to write home about a historic year. This would be a very big deal. For this program to get to that place if they can if they can i mean air force is legit though no you're absolutely right and i i apologize there wasn't <laughs> wasn't looking to cut you off but i did want to issue a short correction wyoming does have a, P- a p5 win on their schedule they beat texas oh, tech right. university right. in laramie <laughs> right. to start the season in double overtime so and they did it on a two-point conversion that's that they right. converted. So they've got the P5 win on the resume. They've got Air Force, which mm-hmm. is going to be a banger. And I just, you know, I know you're, I, I know you guys, big Oklahoma fans out there in Stillwater, but they're going to Boise after they go to Colorado Springs. Yeah, but I mean, so, this year's Boise, I, they could still beat. The, they could still beat them. They that's could, fair. But Wyoming is just. It's sort of one of those Wyoming looks like this every year, but this is the year when they look like it's like all the cogs have hit at the same time. Everything is just, you know, it's, it's hitting. They're, they're big, they're mean and they're big, bigger and meaner than usual. Absolutely right. So, I mean, Boise, they could still lose for sure, but I'm, 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 I, I, I would love an 11 and one or 12 and one, you know, conference championship game, Wyoming, that would be amazing because that's just such a different team. Or, I mean, same thing if Air Force or Fresno did it. Like, I just, I want to see one of these teams that does not get this kind of shine to get shine. That would be awesome. And it's very possible two out of these three will end up meeting in the conference title game. Um, Fresno and Air Force are not scheduled to play each other. Um, So that would be the first chance they would have at each other. Or you could get a rematch involving um, Wyoming in one of those teams. So, yeah, the Mountain, the Mountain West race is really exciting with three very good teams involved. And then UNLV just hanging around in the back there, four and one with their go-go offense. It's, it's man, it's a good, it's, after last year, their conference was so, it was kind of abysmal. This year, it's, there's some, there's some, there's some genuine excitement now, it, especially even with Boise being down. Like that's, it feels like they went, they're, they're down and now there's room for all these other teams to have these cool seasons. Absolutely. It's just, I want to point out, the Mountain West plays that game at home, the championship game. Amen. So whoever has the better record gets an on-campus championship game. And if it goes the way it's going, someone's got to get it. So I'm excited about it. Uh, it, It's a fun time. UNLV also looking pretty good. So we're talking about the West (laughs) the Western football and we got to talk about the whack. Uh, was there anything in the game that stood out to you between Fresno's play and Wyoming's play that that you really want to point out in this I game, Josiah? Honestly, it was 
and, and this is a really pithy thing, but that Wyoming's passing game, it wasn't it wasn't high powered, but it got the job done. Um, that you know they they didn't they didn't throw for that many yards. You know it's it's only about one hundred and eighty three from their quarterback. But I mean you know three touchdowns through the air. That's not what I would have expected. They didn't score any rushing touchdowns, and I think they ran the ball well. You know they did they got they got three point seven yards per carry. You know that's a little bit more than three yards in a cloud of dust, but. It's it's that they were able to use the passing game well within this, which you know you don't need you don't need if you've got a team built like this to be able to you know USC throw it to the corners of the field and just bomb it downfield every 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 play, but when you can have a consistent enough passing game that you can get three touchdowns that way and. Um, also having your consistent rushing attack. I mean, this is this is what Iowa could look like, but they don't. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I I, mean, I think this is. I think that's bold to say this is what Iowa like, could look like. I, I, I think mean, that's you a know, bold like, statement. <laughs> Iowa, ha- I I I mean, yeah, like Iowa we aren't that far from Iowa looking like this or Wisconsin looking like this. Like they, it's they should for- Iowa should be able to throw. A little bit. <laughs> just, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe Craig Bull will take the Iowa job. It'll be great. Uh, any final no, words think, on the I game, think Josiah? That covers or it. It's anyway. a. Uh, it was a very. It was. It's it was a big a mean team cool in there. Yeah, I got I'm, it. I'm, I'm pro all Pistol Pete schools. So, you know, go Wyoming, go New Mexico State. I'll have to call. Uh, I had a professor at Norfolk State. She taught biology. Uh, she is like a grandmother to my children. Uh, she is the she is now the provost out oh, there great. at the University of Wyoming. Fantastic. I'm gonna have to give her a call uh, and see how she's doing and see if she'll uh, <laughs> see if she'll give me tickets to the game because she said I'll fly you out. You come to the game. I'm like eh, I don't know if I want to go to Laramie, but I might have to make that trip now. So thank you for that great game, Jeff. I went, went to a game. game. I went to a game correctly. So tell us about it. Uh, Where'd you go? Key Stadium in the south side of Indianapolis um, to witness the University of Indianapolis uh, play William Jewell. Um, so University of Indianapolis, it is a private uh, Methodist school, about five thousand six hundred students. It was founded in nineteen o two. They have been really good at the D two level, um, particularly recently. They've got seven playoff appearances. The most recent being last year. Um, they do, do struggle a little bit once they get into the playoffs because they have a really tough region, uh, Green Valley state and Ferris state, which are two of the big D2 powers, um, out of Michigan are typically who they'll run into. And and that does create a little bit of a tough path. Um, they have some really interesting alumni, um, just to give you a sense of the school. Um, so kind of digging deep into the, you know, thirties. Um, Ray Crow, who was the head coach of the Christmas Atticus high school basketball teams when they won the state title in 55 and 56, um, is an alumnus and he went on to, to teach at Christmas Atticus in Indianapolis, which is a very cool basketball story. Um, they were the first, um, black high school to win an Indiana state basketball title. One of his teammates, who was also one of his kind of heroes growing up was David, big Dave, Jade, uh, Jernette. 
who was the first black player to lead an integrated basketball team at any level to a title. That was a state high school title, and they played a national um, high school title for uh, Washington High School. Um, he also led UIndy to a 6-1 and record in 34 season. He was a very early uh, college star to become a pro player um, and was probably one of the first black college basketball stars kind of as a contemporary of John Wooden when he was a star at um, Purdue. Um, Golden Age of Hollywood star Irene Dunn, who was a, a big deal, kind of 30s and 40s as a... Uh, Actress and, and kind of more modern acting, Adam Driver was there for a little bit before he transferred to Juilliard. You may know him as Matt the Radar Technician um, or Kylo Ren. I do know him as Matt the Radar Technician, yes. Yep. That's exactly uh, who I know. UND are the Greyhounds. They do have a live Greyhound mascot who was not there last night because the handler is a professor on maternity leave. Um, they're in the Great Lakes Valley okay. Conference. Um, so it's a mix of private and public schools. Um, so Truman State, uh, William Joel, who they played, which is a tiny school, only about uh, 800 students, um, as well as Missouri S&T um, and kind of number of other schools kind of in mostly in the like two to five thousand range other than uh, Jewel, which is a very small school. Um, and going into the game, Jewel was picked last in the conference in kind of preseason voting, they were two and two. They had a conference win. So that was a big amount of overachievement for them compared to where they're expected to be. And it's a really small school. Um, and so they're not a school you expect to necessarily be able to have as physical of a team as you might need to really compete. And well, not a great game for them, but they're kind of proven some of their doubters wrong beyond last night. Um, one of the other cool things with UND and how they do football is so much of the coverage is done by students. So when I was in the press box, I was seated next to the TV play-by-play guys. They are students. It's a student-run um, TV station. The camera crew was all students. The on-the-field reporter was a student. Um, the radio, who was kind of the other side of the press box from us, also uh, students. The paper was there. They have a PR um, program that is award-winning at UIndy. Um, so this is all providing opportunities for students to get real experience in um, kind of the football environment rather than it being other people coming in and doing a lot of this work. It gives students this opportunity to do a lot of this, which is really cool um, for them. And the the play-by-play guys were, were having a good time. It was like any other play-by-play call you'd have on, on TV. There were knowledgeable about the game, calling it well, making good jokes. It, it It's really awesome. Um, the other, one of the neat things is they have a lot of local recruiting, a lot of the, the rosters from Indianapolis. A lot of it's also from the south side of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those guys want to play for their community. Um, and, you know, I think as we see a lot of the sport get less rooted in place, um, I really felt it it's important to look at places where it is very rooted in the school and in the community as a, as a counter that I know people that have done that on the, the English soccer side, showing some of those smaller um, teams. And I think it's important for everyone to see the whole um, sport as well as, you know, get exposure to schools they might not have and, and what some of the things can 
can be. Um, I know I mentioned that a lot of it's local recruiting. There were quite a few transfers on this team, about 13 transfer players on the roster, including um, a D3 All-American and John Lewis who moved up, um, as well as some athletes that moved from at CS and FBS. There was actually a San Jose State uh, transfer that played wide receiver who uh, caught a really great late pass. Um, and that was kind of filling a lot of the holes on last year's 9-2 playoff team. Um, it was undefeated in the conference. So last night was homecoming. It was a great crowd, great weather. It's that perfect, like high fifties fall weather. You can't really ask for a better, better night. The tailgate lots full. People are excited. It really felt like a, the whole community around it was coming out. And the students were coming out for it as well. There were about 3,200 people in attendance. Um, w- one of the interesting things is this is obviously a game without a ton of TV timeouts. Two hours and 38 minute elapsed time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so what you're saying is, it's not all the reviews that's making the game. There were also more. no reviews. I will I will say that because there was no, there was also no Jumbotron, which oh, well. honestly lacking the Jumbotron meant that no one was seeing something over and over and like the crowd was getting annoyed by stuff. They just kind of went, were like, oh man, that's a bad call. And then you just move on to the next play. You're not marinating in the call, which I think is a interesting way to go back to in terms of uh, experiencing the game. Uh, UND won this 59 to 17. Mm. Um, they dominated on the lines, both on the defensive line and the offensive line. The rushing attack um, was stellar. Um, eight and a half yards per carry average for oh. UND. Uh, <laughs> Lewis had an 170 yard um, game on 11 attempts, so almost 10 yards per carry for him. An electric player, um, and you can see why it was a D3 All American, and it's possible he might end up being a D2 All American um, when time comes. Just absolutely um, athletic, and took advantage of the dominance on on the O line and a lot of those holes to break out some really big runs including a 49 yard long um some of the other running backs as well had close to a 98 uh yard rusher uh gavin sukup the quarterback who has an incredible set of legs 89 yards um yeah multiple i'm sorry can you read the, the average on these yeah. two if you don't mind 9.7 9.6 that's for john lewis 9.7 what about lenny me? bennett 9.6. Gavin Sukup, 10.5. Helen Porter, 8.4. <laughs> Luke Keller, who is a backup quarterback who is a transfer from uh, Dennis Small School, 11.5. Um, Anthony Kroll, uh, 10.0. He was a wideout that they, they extensively used in end arounds. Um, Jaden Slaybaugh, who, or Slaybach, who is um, uh, one of the other running backs 1.7 that's the only kind of dent there um but yeah just an absolutely dominant uh rushing performance from from UND and kind of everybody in in that backfield had athleticism um kind of all the way down that that roster and quarterback all the running backs um and obviously they were they were doing a lot of RPO and and spread option stuff through through that, um, but you know they were they were having a successful day on the ground and 
Jewel kept pace for about two possessions, and then UND just kind of took over. Um, also was was down in the field. And one thing that I think it's very hard to see, and this is one thing that being at a lower level where you can more easily get closer to the field, you can see is guys are just so big and so fast. Yeah. And like in in the the game, your collisions as well, because everybody's just so big and so fast. Getting a sense of all that is very hard to see. I think it's it's one thing that TV doesn't convey particularly well. And a lot of times being in big stadiums where you're pretty detached from where everything's happening, you don't get a sense of so well is just how quick guys are, how big they are, how big they are, how quick they are in spite of how big they are. Um, but yeah, uh, UND is going to go and uh, take on also undefeated Truman next week. That's that's going to be a big conference game for both teams. So that's amazing. Uh, it sounded like you had a great time. I do want to ask: when you're up in the press box, how does it look? What 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 can you see from the press box that's a little bit different than say a camera angle on TV? So I think one thing is a camera angle. You're really you are more limited in how much of the field you can see just because you are very often trying to, as a camera crew, get a vision of specifically where where a play is, and you're not necessarily able to get the whole stretch of the field in both directions. You normally have to make some choices on, on what you can crop out so that you can get really kind of clear jersey numbers and all that. So I will say, I think one big thing at that level is you can see more of what formation looks like at a big level and how some of the the matching there is as well as how how space is really used in a different way than i think you normally will get on a tv broadcast where you necessarily you aren't necessarily getting that that full 22 view and i mean a lot of the other things that you can see both you know press box level and field level is a lot of what's happening on the sidelines as the game is happening where the camera is focusing on your center of the field, you know, the rest of the team cheering for for those players or doing communication on on play calls and all that. It's just a very, I think it's part of the game that is underappreciated um, because you aren't always seeing it on TV and football is so much of a TV game. Awesome. I, I, I'm really glad you got to go. Thank you for representing us well. I want to ask, did you have an opportunity to speak to the coach of the University of I did. Greyhound? I uh, did. We'll let you listen to our, uh, our short post-game conversation down the field. Awesome. And we are going to toss it now to the head coach of the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds football, Chris Kievers. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, we, thought, we did what we thought we could do. Uh, we evaluated them. They're, they're getting better. We thought we had a better football team. We wanted to make some plays. We ran the ball well. We stopped the run except for one play. I'm very proud of that. I know you've been a long time. You know, I'm an Indianapolis native. I came here. I fell in love with the place. I've been here since my 30th season. We coach great kids. We get great support from our administration. 
and we win. It's fun to win. Look what we got here. It's, it's a great place. And we are back uh, from that great interview that Jeff did with uh, Coach Kievers. Thank you for interviewing with us, Coach Kievers. We will be doing our best to shout out the University of Indianapolis going forward, the hometown team for Jeff now. Uh, apparently, they don't even play football anywhere else in, in, in Indiana. Wild. That just weird yeah, legislative stuff. We found out now that there are four the teams in Indiana. Yeah, there's four, four total, total teams. Indiana State, I, Indiana, Purdue, and, and yep. U of Indy. Who knew? Who knew? It's wild how this just keeps happening. Uh, it's good on uh, the state, the Hoosier state, to say, you know, we're going to support all the teams, even if it's a private school. I, it's always, it, you know, uh, yeah. always so I proud feel of like the, Christopher of the Columbus here. discovering America. I'm just finding all these new Indiana teams that no one knew about before. Yeah. No one knew. It's just, and they, and they're undefeated and maybe they'll win the conference. You know what? It's, it's about time. We had good football out there in Mm -hmm. Indiana. Sorry, Jeff. Um, I I, I think we all know the state of of football in the state. Let's be honest. (laughs) They, they might be the only team that won in Indiana. Yeah. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Did Indiana play yesterday? We'll find out. Um, while we look that up, we're going to talk about the game we all watched. We watched my Howard Bison. I am wearing, I don't often talk about what I'm wearing. I am wearing a League 91 Howard University sweatshirt. It is beautiful, nice and soft. It says Howard on the front as a Howard man, a Howard graduate uh, graduate and graduate student. Uh, it was nice to see them head all the way out to Evanston, uh, Illinois to play uh, really just a team that... They're letting anybody in. They've got all these big-name players. It's wild what's going on out there at Northwestern. But we're going to actually talk about a football game between Howard and Northwestern. Jeff, I want you to lead us off here. Uh, what is this about a metro station named after Howard University? One that I would like to add, I have stopped at multiple times and get, went there every day for two years. That's where I got off to go to school. So tell yeah, me about so it, Howard Jeff. has a metro station named after them. Northwestern, there is no Northwestern metro station. I mean, there or L station. I mean, there are three that technically serve the campus, but none of them are named Northwestern, unlike Shaw, Shaw Howard um, out there on the D.C. Metro. So Mickey Mouse School. You can take the yellow line or the green line directly from L'Enfant Plaza right to Shaw Howard. And when you get off, you get off right on the uh, on on Sixth Avenue and Georgia Avenue, walk straight down to campus and where I studied in uh, Thurkeld Hall, which is the physics building. I don't know if they even teach physics at Northwestern. It's a you know, small school, private school. They don't have the money. You know, it's fine. Uh, I got off right at the physics building there, and I uh, would walk there every morning. did that for two years. So uh, it's a very lovely, 
uh, subway system they have in DC. Anyways, let's talk about Howard's defense, Jeff. What they were see? getting pressure into the backfield pretty, pretty extensively, uh, and a number of sacks. And that's not something when you have an FCS team playing a Big Ten team you expect to happen. Um, so Northwestern is kind of definitely a step off of where their best teams have have been recently. And I mean, that's, I think when you have line play that struggles like that and Howard was moving the ball pretty well, um, rushing as well. They 0.11, uh, EPA per rush, that 67th percentile of a performance. That's something that Northwestern, you can't really do against an FCS opponent and Howard you're, you're standing up to an FBS opponent. You're standing up to a big 10 opponent. Like this is, this is awesome. But yeah, that was something that really impacted Northwestern's ability to, to pass and really, really hurt them in a lot of third down situations. I mean, Howard, I was going to say Howard averaged more yards per carry on fewer carries than Northwestern did, which yeah, like Northwestern, a team that even under the, uh, the, the guy who used to be there was a, gr- a the previous great administration defensive team for a very long time, even when their offense was perhaps the most insane thing in a bad way that I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, yeah, like you said, you can't let this. This is not what would have happened. An FCS team like they scored 20 points against this team. They wouldn't have had more than three in the past with one of those vaunted defenses that Northwestern used to carry. So, yeah, it's. And I'm not saying Howard's not good. It's just Northwestern was a team that would lose like 10 to 20 to or three to 20 to like Ohio State or whatever. It's not that they were going to win those games, but they'd make it hard. This is, yeah, Howard acquitted themselves extremely well in this game, even against a bad, even though Northwestern's not good. Like this is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's as close to a moral victory as I think you can get. Yeah, I like I keep saying the MIAC has so you know so few teams, but all of them are solid and good. Um, and one of the things I wanted to point out to Jeff's point, getting pressure, six tackles mm. for loss by Howard, three sacks. This is an FCS team on the road against a Big Ten team, pressuring the quarterback and stopping the run. And I'm very proud of them. I know they might have wanted it. I also want to point out that the lead rusher for Howard University is Edron James's son, Eden James, who ran for over 100 yards, did have a touchdown, did have a fumble. But Howard was doing everything they could to win the game. And I'm incredibly proud of them. And and I'm feeling a lot better about Howard going to Cambridge, Massachusetts on October 14th to play another possibly underfunded private school that has lax admission standards. We call that game the the real see I don't how, know. who the real HU is, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're going to see who the real HU is and again, I, I listen, uh, folks, you I've got I'm going to put this on wax. If Howard wins this game on October 14th, I'm going to be hard-pressed to be told that Harvard is not the Howard Howard, the Ivy League. Howard's going to be great. The band should change safety school when they beat beat Harvard because you know that's uh you got it you got to do because like, I think Duke used to ch- their student section would chant that like you're our safety school. We applied there in case we didn't get into Duke. So you know Howard chant that at Harvard. I think it I think it go over like Listen. a I think it go over great. 
I think I, I want you all to understand this, and uh, this is a big deal for me personally. Howard's band is it, it, Howard's band is is a little bit different. So a lot of people see Howard, they see the the library, Founders Library, and they think of the August Howard University. Showtime is Showtime is is getting mm-hmm. down when they play music. They are out there dancing. They are out there having. They are playing what's on the radio. They they are really good really solid HBCU band. They would absolutely chant safety school <laughs> if, the, if Howard wins this game. And and one of the things I'm really excited about, if Howard does go, uh, all of the dance crews mm. have different names. My beloved Spartan Legion marching band has hot ice, and I love them dearly. But Howard University Showtime marching band, their dance crew is called the Ooh So... It's gonna be. Listen, I am excited. Howard and Norfolk State play a football game in DC, and Norfolk State play in DC later this year. I am hard pressed not to go to it. I'm gonna try. I'm. I might <laughs> fight real hard to be in a stand. I, you know what? I may see if they'll let hey, me in this press. There you go. Hey, ask and I. I'm hey. gonna ask. I'm gonna mm-hmm. see if they'll let me in. I'm a fan. I'm listen. I'm a fan of both schools. Uh, I'm an alumni of both schools, but I, I might be standing on the sideline on that one. Like, come on, Coach Odoms, I need you to. <laughs> I'll say email, and if email um, fails, call, yeah. and hopefully they'll respond to one of them. Absolutely. Try and email again. I have a Howard University email. They, I hope they respond to me. <laughs> uh, so hopefully they'll do so. Uh, we have an update. Uh, I'm looking here that the Indiana University IU. They, they, they had a bye game for bye week. They they won their bye so, week, so the, they won their bye week. But you, Indy, is the only one that won their game in Indiana. So, what about this for Harvard? I also you uh, what's yeah, they've got a station on the MTA, um, which the MTA would like to brag that they no longer have exit fares. Um, yeah, they also had a project that took them more money and more time than they thought it would to put all of their highways under the city. I've been on it. It's claustrophobic and scary. So coming back from a, listen, I was there, went to a Red Sox game, great experience, had a good, had a, had a good bit of baseball food, but I was sitting behind a pillar, a thing I didn't know baseball stadiums had that were constructed prior to 1920. (laughs) So great game. I think they scored 13 runs and lost 15, 13 to the double. Well, to the Rays. I will always call them the double Rays. So last word on this. Uh, Jeff, anything else you want to add about Howard and Northwestern playing a football? No, I'm really, yeah, looking forward to, to watching some some Bison football as they you know, have a strong team. I mean, they're it, really good. It really I wasn't so that much. fair, though. You know, like Howard's academic standards just make it so hard for them to recruit against a team like Northwestern. It's just, it's not I fair. It's look. just not fair. I mean, you know, you see this with Stanford when they play the other. The, the public schools, it's the same right. kind of thing. And it, it's, you know, they, they acquitted themselves yeah. extremely well, given that that inherent handicap. It's wild to think that we're sending these these small, underfunded private schools money to build new stadiums. And then this is, then Howard shows up and is like, they don't need a new stadium. <laughs> They're fine with that. Um, Going to go on to the dessert, a collection of things. We're going to start off with Josiah. What's oh, your man. first in this Louisville, collection? Louisville, or as I'm going to call them for a while, Louisville, might be for real. Um, they are <laughs> God, they're going to hate look, us for that. You know, the funny part about that is I lived in a town in Mississippi for a long time that was spelled the same way, but went, they pronounced it Louisville. And you could tell who was from the area and who wasn't based on if they called it Louisville. 
So I'm just going to call this Louisville. Louisville might be for real. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I know that teams can have good games and stuff and it may not mean much, but they are undefeated and they, they beat, they beat Notre Dame. Like they handled that team. Um, and Alex Grinch, Alex Grinch sure belongs in jail. I think, um, you know, I, I, I might need a citizens arrest him or fight him in the street. When I say I don't even like any of the teams he coaches for, but I just feel so bad when I watch his defense. Is like, like you know, y'all deserve better than this. I mean, come on, the the players, the players do, they? do. not the not the yeah, schools. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the players yeah, the players do. Like those individuals, <laughs> they not, do. I, I don't care. Oh, OU can live with Gosh. it. USC can live with it as an institution. But come on, those kids. I. Listen, man, I've been saying it. And I'm going to keep saying it until somebody stops me. Coach Jeff Brom, is, is, he is in mm-hmm. his bag. And I, I said it when he was the coach at Purdue and loved every second because I was just like, oh, you're a top five Big Ten team <laughs> talking about Big Ten defense? Go chase these wide receivers around for four quarters, both Iowa and Sparty. And I just, uh, Jeff Brom, my hat's off to you. You're, you're, you're really doing it out there in the beautiful – the beautiful uh, uh, state of Kentucky and the beautiful city. I'll say, going going Um, back to to Louisville, Brom also, even at Purdue, did a very good job of recruiting the city of Louisville and Cincinnati. And there's a lot of talent coming out of that area. I mean, that's where um, I am now blanking on Rondell Moore. That's where Rondell Moore came out of, is is the city of Louisville. So I think him being there is going to be really great for showcase a lot of that talent. Yeah, I mean, he is a great coach. There is a limit on some of the talent that you can get at Purdue. Um, and I think at Louisville and getting buy-in from the city, they are a team that can be excellent, has been excellent. And I mean, his first year at Purdue as well, took over a team that really struggled before he got there, turned them to very cons- a six and six team. And I mean, I think we, we underrate how good that first defense he had at Purdue. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, I think it can be a complete team. Brom is not just an offensive guy. And he's, a, I think, mm-hmm. a lot of great uh, results out of offensive talent. There's no doubt about that. Um, but this this could be a um, complete team. And I mean, I think he has shown that also he can recruit very highly off his success on offense at a lot of positions. So it'll be interesting to see if Louisville, um, what it looks like down with the stretch of this year, as well as for uh, years to come, because I think he, I don't think he's going to leave there for anywhere else. Um, so I think we've got a, a long term of potentially him um, being in his alma mater, being in his hometown um, and creating a really great team there. They're, they'll put a statue of him right next to Johnny Knight. It's going to be great. I, I want to point out. Listen, I want to point this out, and and, and I'll, I I would like to take the last mm-hmm. word on Jeff Brom on this, but the best compliment I can give him when he was at Purdue was they were something I mm-hmm. had to watch with my own eyes. After I watched that first game in in the twenty twenty one season, I said I was trying to ring as many bells as I could. There weren't that many Purdue fans in in the Discord yet, but I was ringing bells guys you have to be watching this purdue team you've got to check them out none of them were ah it's purdue we are expecting this and blah blah i'm like and i think i grabbed jeff like i pulled him aside one day i was like jeff trust me they're gonna beat iowa 
they're gonna do it. And you just you didn't believe me. You told me I was crazy. I was like, listen, they're gonna do it. And then they did it. And I was like, and to show it's no fluke, they're gonna do it to Michigan State too. It's like I, he is a great coach. He's a great offensive mind. I love it. I, you know, a part of me is still that kid that loves Big East football, and a part of me is like Louisville will always mm-hmm. be Big East, and I want to watch them go and like really show some things. Not a not a bird with teeth, but like maybe some of the architecture that they straight copy and pasted from UVA and say, look, you know, you can have great architecture and be good at football. <laughs> Jeff. I say Louisville's also a beautiful city. Jeff. I... It's a lovely yeah. city. Right on the Ohio River. It's you want to see some riverboat gambling. It's out there in Louisville. Um, Jeff, you have some teams that are fine. Yeah, Ohio State. Tell me about them. Fine. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say they were struggling for a little bit. And sure. Maryland is a good team. I think they're going to have a good season. But they couldn't hang on for um, a full game against Ohio State. And I think they Ohio State kind of has, has proven that they're, they're going to be fine. Um, and Maryland, yes, they lost this. I don't think things are going to entirely collapse for Maryland. They can still have a really great year. Um, Georgia um, kind of all had everything fit together, particularly offense getting past Kentucky. Um, so if they can you know, stay with that, I think they're going to be the Georgia we're all regretting is what they are versus it would have been a lot of fun to have uh, Kentucky come up with that upset in Athens. But um Kentucky's also still only a one-loss team. So is Mizzou that um, struggled late and lost to LSU. Um, but they're two five-and-one teams in the SEC that if they handle the rest of their business on the schedule and they do play each other next week, I will actually I will be there with my brother-in-law who is a Mizzou alum. So that is going to be – I think that's going to be a really fun game. Um that is where is that game at? Where, where, where is the game being played? Oh, ooh, yeah, that's gonna be good. <laughs> Enjoy the as, as, as one does in Kentucky. We'll love Kentucky. Um, but yeah, no, that's gonna be. I think that could potentially decide uh, a New Year's Six Bowl or a Citrus Bowl. Those are those are two teams that could end up on the high end of of the SEC. I do want to jump in really quickly, uh, and so let's all play the schedule game. Who does Maryland pull and draw in the West this season? I have it pulled up. Jeff, go first. No, no, don't look it up. Don't look it up. Don't look it up, because it's going to shock and surprise I don't think it's us. Who does Maryland pull? I'm going to guess Wisconsin. Next week for homecoming. The Maryland Terrapins are welcoming the Fighting Illini. <laughs> okay. They are then, hold on, they are then going to Evanston, <laughs> Illinois to play the Northwestern Wildcats. And their final team that they pull out of the West, they are going to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. They've declared war on the state of <laughs> Illinois, and they are they're going to ruin Jeff. Uh, they're going to ruin Rules Day. Oh, my gosh. So, so they are not going to fall apart. <laughs> they are most likely going to go two and one in those games. If they don't just outright go three and zero, oh. even if they go one and two, they're going to really ruin yeah. someone's season in the oh other gosh. two games that they lose. They have in between those. They have to go to, they have to, to invite 
a very angry Penn State team who is going to be told all week, this is a rivalry, <laughs> and their coach is going to tell them they think you're their rival, and Penn State might, I don't know, man, Penn State, eh, who knows with them. Um, They then also welcome the University of Michigan to Maryland. So, of the three big ones in the East, they only went to Columbus. The other two, they get at home. They get three teams from the West that, eh, none of them met the Brian Ferentz line this week. So, And, and folks from D.C. Great. have a pretty decent then, record uh, when it comes to being involved in the state of Illinois. Yeah. That's right. Do your taxes, Al Capone. The last game of the season. <laughs> Stop it. The last game of the season, they are going to my hometown of Piscataway, New Jersey, to play the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So, Rutgers is better. Rutgers Rutgers looks like it's it's on a good track this year. I mean, I think people joke about Rutgers and Maryland as Big Ten members. And, I mean, they're both teams that have had a lot of success in football. They struggle at times. They're both inconsistent. But when... They can both get things moving, and this year looks like a good year for them. They can both be competitive. Yeah, good game be a between good them. game between them. So, um, I'm looking forward to watching I think the Terps. It's great. I, you know, they got Sparty this week. Uh, Rutgers has Sparty this week. Then they go to Indiana. Ooh. So, like, I don't know, man. They might. They yeah, I say they've got a good yeah. chance of it if they can win those two. They might go bowling, and if it comes down to having to beat Maryland to go bowling, they might. Go bowling. I Listen, I'm here for it. Rutgers, I love you because you tried to recruit me to go to your school and you gave instruments to my high school marching band. So I love you. I love you dearly. Go are you. Are you rah-rah. Um, I want to point this out. Uh, nobody talked about I'm Red sorry, River. We ignored it for some reason. Uh, what is that? Um, it's a river in Texas, oh. actually. It's, oh, a, it's okay. a river in Texas that I believe... Is in Dallas quickly Googling. I know the state fair was happening. Is is this something about fried food? Yes, this is a thing about fried food. That that's that's right. Um uh looking, looking, looking. Red River. Red River of the South, or sometimes the Red River, is a major river in the south southern United States, uh, between Texas and Oklahoma. There you go. The more you know. So that's what. Ri- <laughs> now we know, and knowing is half the battle. Yo, Joe. Anyways, um, between these two rivers are schools. One in a town in Austin, the capital, and the other in Norman, which is yeah, not, the not the capital. I don't think it's the capital. <laughs> famously, not the capital of the Sooner State. Um. Anyways, those two teams have played each other in football every year for at least a century. And uh, in between eating lots of fried food, including fried butter, a thing I didn't think needed to be fried. But it, regardless, they played a great football. They played, excuse my language, they played a hell of a game. I enjoyed every minute. Uh, maybe one of those teams is for real. Maybe one of those teams beat another team that's for real. I don't know. They beat one Crimson team, didn't beat the other. Uh, I Listen, great game. Loved it. Would do it again. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, my Kansas Jayhawks are real good, y'all. I don't know what you want me to say. They uh, they took a, a small, I shouldn't say small, they took a gigantic state institution, put them in a blender, and then set that blender on frappe. And then lit it on fire. Um, I mean, it, it was and then just... Ran- <laughs> boy. <laughs> boy. 
That that sounds like a delicious I, tiki drink, which <laughs> would be great in Central Florida. I I will say. Look, I listen. The Jayhawks are a mm-hmm. good football team who went out there and just put a beating on an overmatched Central Florida football team that, as one of my co-hosts is going to elucidate later, has some real work they need to do to get on the level of the teams they're playing. I am all for all the rah, rah, rah stuff, but I I say this every week, and I've told everyone this. Jeff has told me that I should stop saying it because it sounds mean, but that rah, rah, rah shit don't win football games. Uh, I'm going to have to hit the explicit thing on the upload. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, but I say it. Oh, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Josiah. <laughs> well, no F word. So, you know, right. If we don't get the R. That's true. Um, that's true. I may not have to. I, <laughs> I don't actually know what the definition is. It's the first one yeah. for me. It's the first one for me. And like it don't win football games like we can talk about how great they are otherwise. But this season is this season. And that game was never in doubt. The Jayhawks. They returned a punt for a touchdown where the guy bowled over two people. Their running back couldn't be tackled. The orbit route consistently. All the motion that the Jayhawks did worked. Anytime they sent a man in motion, the Knights, I call them the Golden Knights, where it was they were out of sorts. And the Jayhawks are good. They're going bowling. It's gonna be great. Um and I just well, I will let the the Big 12 man say it, but like what did you I say mean, about UCF, Central Florida? They, they just aren't ready for prime time, and I like, and and that's that's you know it's it's okay I, I guess theoretically that you'd expect a little bit of adjustment, but my gosh, it's been it's been a bumpy road. Like they they have <laughs> they're, they're just their lines are not big enough to do this, and they don't have the overwhelmingly insane skill talent. Um, they did, I think their quarterback got injured at one point, which is awful and never a good thing, but yeah, but, Plumlee's but hurt. I don't think that would have changed much in this game. Just Kansas. Yeah. He didn't that's play right. defense. He, he ain't blocking for anybody, you know? <laughs> so like it's, it's, uh, it, it, no. they're just, and you can see it in the way that they're losing, you know, the loss to Baylor that, that kind of in retrospect feels like yeah. an exhaustion loss. It's like what you see in March madness when, the little yeah. the little team the little 15 seed plays a number 2 and they hang with them mysteriously for the first half and then in the second half conditioning just takes over and the bigger stronger faster team just wins for no other reason than that and it, it just feels like every game is like if you've got a big enough line and if you can if you're better conditioned you can win against UCF no matter what the score is um yeah i mean like i I was nervous about playing them. I think OSU's got them on the schedule, but now I'm looking at that thinking like we, you know, we've got a good running back in Ollie Gordon. He's done a hundred yards a game for a, a bit. That's, that's going to be, they might be, they might miss a bowl this year. And I did not expect that. I thought they'd be like six and six, five and seven or seven and five. But I mean, I don't know, man, is UCF going to be, I don't I mean, maybe they won't, but that's, that's, it's a, it's a, this is a rough year. And Gus typically is very good I will say, at O-line development coaching yeah, and defensive yeah. line. Like his, his teams at Auburn were always so great on the line. So yes. it's very much a surprise that obviously knowing the lead time of coming into the Big 12, that that wasn't 
developed and it may just be a the raw talent you were necessarily getting there's a ceiling to that and it may change over the next couple of years of of who they can get in i i have some confidence that over the long haul ucf can succeed and they're a place that has Absolutely. grown pretty quickly so you know we'll see but yeah i think that's a surprise really i think of the teams coming in you expected they might be in the best spot just because of coaching continuity plus what they've been um, Cincinnati had the coaching continuity question even though their comp- they came off a great year last year um, but yeah it's it's very much a surprise that they've struggled as much as they have reading off the schedule they are going to Norman against a rejuvenated mm-hmm. Oklahoma they are going to a five and one West Virginia Mountaineers <laughs> team who is coming to Orlando they are going to Nippert Stadium to play their rival, the Cincinnati Bearcats. They are going to be back at home for a space game, which I guess is going to be like a blackout or something similar against the the Pokes. Then they go to Lubbock and they end the game, uh, the end the season against the Houston Cougars, who they're wounded. I think they can make a bowl. It's going to take them winning three of the next six. And I they can, they can do it. I, I think they can absolutely. They could beat Oklahoma. I mean, sure. I would love they, to see they, they it. I just don't Virginia. have any faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Sooner Magic is strong, I, man, and they've got it back. They could, yeah. They could beat West Virginia. They'll probably beat Cincinnati. I think that Oklahoma State game is a toss-up. I know that Texas Tech game is a toss-up. They'll beat Houston. I. They might make a bowl if they don't get completely just, like, body-blowed out of the stadium Honest- by Oklahoma. I'm like going to say, if, like, if, I, I'm not, not ahead, even Josiah. being a homer here. Like, the only two games on that schedule that look like above 50% win chance or around 50% are Cincy and Houston. To me, and it's not because I think the Popes are so good. I just think, like, we have a good running back, a quarterback settling in, and our line will be bigger than theirs. And if we just do the thing that we want to do, I, I feel like... I see two wins on that schedule, maybe. But even Cincinnati, now that we see what OU is, I mean, they 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 didn't lose by that much. It was an ugly game, but Cincinnati kept them down to 20 points. And that's the lowest anybody has kept them to. I'm not saying they're good. I'm just saying that, I don't know. I mean, I, I, maybe they, they could surprise me and, and beat the Popes, and that would be, you know, that's how it goes. But I just, yeah, I, West Virginia is is salty this year too so i don't know i i i'm just i'm not sure yeah. what yeah, they are. what they're gonna they, i mean this could be a really rough ride for them and long term with west virginia particularly with the they're at qb they're happy about being able to go back to florida because that was one thing that they really did well during the big east era for them was recruiting in florida and having that visibility and then being able to go down to orlando and have that again it's gonna be good for them long term particularly if they can come in get a win and, and they're on a a good year it's i think they're probably a little bit overachieving their fundamentals but you know they're still having a good year in a year that a lot of people were really scared of them being in a bad spot and neil brown losing his job so yeah he's he, he's safe chance to, <laughs> he's, he's, go ahead josiah yeah chance to beat uh, their former coach Holgo, Hol- dana holgerson on uh thursday mm-hmm. night we'll see how that goes for the mountaineers i apologize no, no, you're good. that was all yeah i was just yeah they're there, there. Neil Brown looked like he was one foot out the door, but 
and West Virginia is having West, Not anymore. Yeah, West Virginia is having some big financial things. Like they've had to close some programs, and it's it's pretty bad. I've I've seen faculty from those programs on Twitter talking about, well, I lost my job today. My whole program has been shuttered. I'm looking for a new place to land. Uh, you know, like people who have won insanely big prestigious awards, programs that are singular in nature. I think like the puppetry program at at West Virginia is there's not many in the country and they're one of them and i think it's definitely not looking great for them so yeah it's them not firing a head coach i mean he's four and one he's safe basically this is just another reminder folks to keep an eye on what is going on in Mm -hmm. your local area and what is happening to the institutions of higher learning even if you did not attend them or did not attend one what happens there trickles Lots down. Lots of people work hill. there that aren't professors. Uh, a lot of people yep. have great Correct. jobs at universities and make yep. huge impacts on their state through that job that are not tenure track or non tenure track faculty. There's so much. And a lot of people there. in the community rely on the fact that the university is there for yes. providing other services for the community. Yep. Um, and Particularly a lot of the research in a lot of areas, particularly when you talk folklore type areas, if you lose that at a flagship of a region, particularly a region that is so culturally unique like Appalachia is, it is a loss to preserving that, you know, for even if you aren't living in, in that area, just that being available and that culture being captured and documented yeah there's a lot more hotels in stillwater and morgantown than there have any right to be and and other and a lot more restaurants than there have any right to be and a lot of that's because of those universities helping that town to be a much more thriving place West Virginia University is probably by far the largest employer mm-hmm. in all of Morgantown and probably in the state of West Virginia. And I say that knowing that someone is going to correct me and say that it is a cold, some no, cold firing somewhere everybody. and I'm going to tell them. <laughs> yeah. They're say, firing It everybody. is a long-term trend <laughs> so. with coal that it is requiring fewer and fewer people to do, do that mining in addition to just the demand for coal dropping. So that's yeah. something that, uh, plug one of her productions but uh, he had just done a video on on this that explains it really well but the mixture of automation reducing the labor demands and the demand for the product reducing over time as well that big economic engine for the state and for the region has gone away nothing's really been able to replace it yes, um, these schools that much more important because they can yes. educate the next Correct. the next generation of folks the, the yes, current right. and, yeah. the next. and the next transition to something new Yes, yes. Uh, again, I, you will always hear me extol the virtues mm-hmm. of a public institution doing exactly what, what, what our college professor host is saying, which is even if you don't agree with the people, it is giving anyone who shows up at those doors an education that will take them further and then they'll go without it. So West Virginia, we are all here with you, hoping and wishing you the best. Um, I just had two one words. I have LSU, <laughs> yikes, and I have Mizzou, also yikes. That's all I have. Let's talk about yeah. <laughs> That's about as much as you got to say. Um, CFL, so the, we talked about the playoff picture. It's pretty similar this 
week as it was last week, it does feel like Edmonton is mostly out. They they've they they're a little bit behind the other teams. Saskatchewan still in the driver's seat for that final spot, but Calgary and Ottawa still technically could make it work. Um, you know, it's it's kind of in a holding pattern right now. So we just got to see how if Calgary and or Ottawa can win out and you know catch some breaks with Saskatchewan, like you could we could see something you know some last second thing heroics here but but yeah it's looking like right now Saskatchewan's going to take that last spot and and we'll have our six teams in the playoffs so the yeah, Blue Bombers my team they're doing great they're winning games even down the stretch um securing that securing that placement but yeah it's a uh, it's it's still there's still a possibility for some really wacky stuff to happen so I, again, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna play. Have the song take off to the Great White North. Hey, talking about Warren Moon. Just wait. Talking about Warren Moon. I love him so much. He went. Listen, folks. Eight Great That's Cups right. in That's a row. Right. Literally, Canadian. like we talk all the time about. He's a legend, and like Doug Flutie, great quarterback. Love him dearly. Won the Heisman shirt. Yep. Passes to his brother. We all love you. You did great for BC. But like Warren Moon won. While you were there, <laughs> Flutie. Sorry, um, Jeff. I'm only. Well, Jeff, I'm giving you 15 seconds to a tight 15 to do your plug about. Yeah, so uh, you may have won the football game, Io. That that's great and all. You got a great defense, but uh, our corn and pork tenderloin sandwiches are better. If you have uh, want to refute my assertions about Iowa's pork in relation to Indiana's pork, um, I probably can be bribed with heritage pork products. So if you've got evidence to the contrary, um, contact us on our website. FeederMascot.squarespace.com Jeff, please tell us all about what you'll be doing in January where you're running, biking, and swimming. Oh, it's just running, but I will I will be running a half marathon for Cure Disease, which is a charity that provides funding for research for rare um, genetic disorders. So um, are the link to fundraise for that if you're interested in and able is going to be in the show notes so uh if you could support that um that would be greatly appreciated and it's a great cause sounds great i can't wait to do it some more i've already went said my money in i'll be sending some more because i also want to do this for the cure i want to ask our executive chef of production jeff thank you for telling us where people can find us Anything you want to leave with the people as we get out of here? I'll say we will have um, some images from game I covered last night. And once again, thank you to the University of Annapolis for letting me uh, come and do that. That was a uh, great time last night. And, uh, you know, hope to inspire some other people to check out some some games in their area that they may not have initially thought of. And multiple D2 schools that were following, including the University of Indianapolis and Bloomsburg College, or excuse me, Bloomsburg University, the Huskies. I found out that one of my coworkers, his son, is a wide receiver playing for Bloomsburg University. And uh, I've watched their game on Saturday. They played well in a loss, but uh, very excited to now have a connection, a personal connection to the team. Head chef, executive chef of social media, Josiah. Where can the people find us, and what's something you want to leave yeah, the people with? This it's just, week? Yeah, encourage y'all to check out those those hot games in your area. Um, we've got we've got an account on Threads, we've got Blue Sky, we've got Twitter, and we've got some Instagram. And uh, we're you know we're we're posting on there a bit, and you can find us there if you want to 
talk to us. We are we are still small enough accounts that if you want to have a conversation, you can just reply or at us, and we will be able to do that. We don't get overloaded with that stuff yet, so we'll be able to. You know, you want to chat us? We're we're, we're there. And I am making this promise right here, right now. If you want an in one of us to individually <laughs> respond to a question. Ask for us by name on social media, and we one of we, we will, will get it, in yes. contact. Look, yeah. someone is asking for you to respond, and that we will make them, including myself, someone who doesn't enjoy <laughs> using social media. I will get on whatever whatever platform you ask for me on. I will get on it and respond to your queries. Maybe we should find out. Ask me anything topic to do. Uh, I'll say it for my co-hosts <laughs> because they didn't get a chance to uh, boiler up and Indiana word you're gonna have to put an explicit tag on that jeff uh uh uh, go pokes and hail state specifically oklahoma state and excuse me specifically mississippi state and not virginia state who stole that um say it for both of them uh i will also let everybody know look we are halfway through the season which means we only have a half of it left uh if you got to us late or got to the season late there's still time find Mm -hmm. something to enjoy Find something to watch. Pick a game, a team, a system. Find it and do your best to enjoy it. Um, Like I keep saying, there's a lot of consternation about what's coming. Let's worry about what's now. Or as ESPN used to have, let's figure out who's now. And they had a big bracket between Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. Do we want to talk about what's now Um, in terms of our uh, watches for next week? I do. If you don't mind, uh, yeah, that pulled up here. So let me see here. Are you going to share? You I want me to share, share real quick? All right, I can share. We can. Oh, there it is. All right. What do you got? So I will be at uh, Mizzou facing Kentucky in Lexington, um, and I'll say that is two teams that uh, are having a lot of success this season. So. Um, I think that's going to be a, a good one and say experience some, uh, football in the beautiful state of Kentucky for homecoming for, uh, the Wildcats. Josiah, who are you going to be watching? I'm I'm checking out Miami at UNC, which up until this week looked like a, a, a different kind of matchup. This time I'm interested to see like, okay, after the whole debacle, with uh georgia tech what what are they going to look like it has the team you know this is the kind of decision that can make a team sort of quit on a coach i'm not saying they're going to do that i'm just saying that if a team does that you kind of get it um and unc does seem like again they're sort of for real at least for real enough to beat miami potentially and they got a they got their wide receiver back after the ncaa shenanigans so you know i yeah, good, good call, call eventually caving good call. the public pressure to do the right thing. Um, they uh, <laughs> Basically. But, so yeah, now it's more of a, okay, how bad could this get? Then I, you know, I'm not, I was watching it to see sort of implications on other things, but with, with Miami where they are at, I, it, it, it feels like a bit more of a, what are we going to see here with a, the old guard, Mac Brown? What kind of handshake is he going to give Cristobal? After dropping fifty six on him, God, I can't <laughs> imagine. Um, I I can't imagine. Um, next week 
both of my alma maters, Alma's mater, are going to be traveling. Uh, Norfolk State University, behold the green and gold. They will be in Nashville taking on Tennessee State. So big time battle of the bands there, plus a good football game. And then this is it. Howard is headed to Cambridge to take on Harvard. But I, I, those two games are going to be earlier in the day, and they'll be on at the same time. So I may be hard <laughs> to get a hold of. I am going to be watching uh, Southern California, the University of Southern California Trojans, heading to South Bend, Indiana. I uh, don't know why. There's no other football teams there. So an old I guess they're just they're going for maybe? scenic reasons. They're really interested in Studebaker. practicing. Oh, that wanna... makes sense. Go to the Cedar Baker Museum. I didn't Museum. think of that. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So good thing they got a bye week this week, and I guess that's what we'll be paying attention to. But in all seriousness, one of the great rivalries in the sport, the Trojans will be taking on the Fighting Irish. I'll, that's my game of the week. Uh, it's going to be on NBC. Uh, I'm going to be all over it, and I can't wait. Um, we will have an update about Norfolk State and Howard. Uh, don't worry. I will be glad to talk about how those games fared. Um, and as a collective group, uh, guys, it's here. It's, it's here. Yep. We've been waiting on this. Uh, it is Oregon at Washington week. Uh, Red this River is rivalry. a big rivalry. I, you know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so this is this game has been played between these two Pacific Northwest teams for over a century. Uh, it was being played at least in the 19th century and into the 20th, all of the 20th century, and now into the 21st century. I uh, we don't do predictions. We we don't do pregame analysis on this podcast uh, because I find that you know all that's just noise. But what I will say is this game is going to be fun. We have two of the best QBs in the game. The winner will have the inside track to the Heisman. The team that wins will have the inside track to the conference and most likely to playoff. And I'm excited for it. It's going to be the one thing I want in every football game. It's going to be a track meet. And uh, I fought hard for this. And I didn't I, I, I didn't have to fight very long or very hard. But I did fight for this to get my co-hosts on board. So I'm excited about it. And uh, I... Guys, I'm. I, this is one we may have to do a full court press in in the in the chat. We might have. Man, to you want to talk about track place. meets? You've got USC's defense versus Notre Dame versus really oh, anybody, boy. and then you have no, USC's offense versus anybody. So that's going to be that. And you get Oregon Washington. Like, I mean, man, we could have some. We could have some shootouts. I hope so. I I really do. I'm I'm excited for next week. It's listen, it, lots of football to watch. Everybody, let's let's get into it. Um, this is it, guys. Let's get ready for the second half of the season. It's been fun. I've had a lot of fun. I love talking about it every week with you guys. And so I, I say, you know, football's a communal thing. So you do it with other people. If if you're stuck in a rut, watch a game with somebody you haven't watched the game with before. If it's not a football fan, explain the game to them. If it's someone who knows more than you, ask them questions. But uh, find some football and enjoy it. And as I always say, come enjoy football with us. Um, and so with all that, don't forget to feed your heart.